Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. You know, I, I really am, am con, um, convicted that, um, you know, the purpose of my teaching is never interesting information. Uh, I might have some interesting information for you. <laughs> and, um, you know, but I've, I've, you know, even when I've taught through books of the Bible, like we are now, Ephesians, I sometimes kind of get caught up in the detail of it. And I want to start sharing about, you know, why Paul was writing from here and where he was and, you know, what the temperature was and all those kind of things. You don't really know what the temperature was, but you know what I mean. And it's so easy to get wrapped up in all those details uh, because it's interesting, but we, we're not called to, to just indulge in interesting information. It's interesting. And so that's kind of stuff I might share in, in Bible school um, and in ministry school. Uh, but, you know, the things that I, I share, I try and often cut out just interesting things and leave in just what is something that's going to help and bring transformation and bring uh, a, an impact in your life. Um, and so, you know, we're not here just to have intellectual improvements, um, although that's a uh, a condition that's rife in the body of Christ right now, I believe. You know, most people are looking for more, um, uh, what you call it, they, they want more information, they want more teaching, they want more, uh, uh, all of that. And, you know, whilst that's nice and it's good, what, what we're looking for is information that leads to revelation that's going to lead to transformation. You know, you don't just want an interesting message, you want a message uh, you want to listen to a message that's going to bring an impact in your life. That's going to bring change, you know, transformation, not just like, wow, that's great. Now, what do I do with that? <laughs> you know, so, um, <clears throat> you know, it, we, 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 beyond that, we always obviously want to know Christ more so that the teaching should be leading us to know him more. And it should be causing us to grow more in the fullness of who we are in Christ. Okay, so, you know, when I'm preaching, I really, and I've adapted this from Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, <clears throat> but my desire is really to, to preach Christ with tireless intensity, his power flowing through me to awaken your heart to, uh, 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 to the truth and to bring you to a, a revelation, full understanding of the truth of Christ in you. You know, this is really why uh, I, I dig into the word and why I, I, you know, ask God, what should I share and things is so that it would be helpful. Okay. So last week, <clears throat> I, I really enjoyed last week. And, you know, for me, it was really powerful. I trust it was for you too. But you know, even though we were online, we saw, we saw a, a, a healings, we saw a, a flow of the spirit. It was, it was really, really impactful. And, you know, it, it all comes from um, all of us really tapping into what's inside of us, who's inside of us, and then stepping out and flowing in that. And here's a, here's a problem you know, that I, I, I found. I don't know if you've ever felt this, but if you're not a leader in, in church or you, you know, you're, you're just a believer, um, often you can feel like you know, there's this special group of people and here's me. And um, you, know, I, you, you kind of desire some more significance in your Christian life, but it's kind of like, you know, maybe you're not picked for God's A-team, but Shane and Etienne are, hallelujah. 
you know, and, 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 uh, um, you know, we kind of don't feel like there's a special group of people. And, you know, we, we kind of have this wrong view of what church leadership is, what ministry is. And <clears throat> I believe that one of the biggest problems in the body of Christ worldwide is, is a wrong view of what ministry is, is a wrong view of what leadership in the church is, is a wrong view of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And it, it's causing the church to not be effective. Now, you might have a, a handful of people who are being effective to some degree or another, but that was never God's intention. That was never God's desire. God's desire was that there would be a, an army, really. Okay, now I, I prefer not talking about the church as an army because we're a bride, but God's desire was that we would be more like an army in a sense of every single believer would be mobilized towards the mission, God's mission and God's dream. Okay, and, and so this is what we're wanting to do is mobilize every single person in Grace Life towards not just active, being active on a Sunday. But being active Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday and holidays every day, you know, we, we want to be, be, be uh, living like Jesus every day of the week, every, every day of the year, not just um, paying people to do it. Amen. And, um, and so, you know, for me, I, I remember growing up really knowing that I was called into leadership and, and desiring it. But, uh, 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 you know, you didn't know really if you were going to get there or who would get there kind of thing. So I think that what I'm going to share with you is helpful with regard to that. Okay, today. So um, I want to start off with a question and I'm going to come back to this question. So think about this question. Okay. What is God's will for you as a believer? What is God's will for you as a believer? There's many answers. Many, many answers. I mean, God's will is that there's a scripture which says God's will is that you abstain from sexual immorality. There's one, one thing there. And then there's many other things. Okay. But what is God's will for you just as a whole? We're going to come back to this. So last week we finished off with this verse, uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse seven. It says, but to each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. The Passion puts it there and says, and he has generously given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. So last week I pointed out, it says the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, so it's not a measure. There's not many different measures. There's one measure of Christ's gift. Okay, and then what is Christ's gift? And if we look at uh, John, chapter, or John chapter 4 verse 10 in the King James, it says, Jesus answered, and said unto her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is uh, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Okay. And last week we saw in this passage, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well and he's saying, hey, you know, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would have known that I've got living water to give you. And living water symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And this is the gift of God. This is the gift of Christ. Okay, it's echoed in Acts chapter 10, verse 45 from the New King James. And it says, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. 
as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So there's a gift, and this gift or the promise fulfilled is the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is the Spirit of God, not just hanging around in the air, but living inside man, living inside of you and me. Okay, so now we're going to continue on. Let's look at the next verse there, which is uh, verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 4. And it says, Wherefore, uh, he says, saith, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Okay, um, so, you know, this verse is referencing a, a promise or a, a, a prophecy from Psalms. Okay, Psalm 68 verse 18 is what it's referencing there. And, you know, we, uh, uh, we read it then and now in a bit, but we need to remember that there's all these connections, especially between the epistles, but also in um, the, the Gospels and in Acts, referencing things in Genesis to Malachi. Okay, because Jesus said that, that, you know, and he explained all things concerning himself from the books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, from the prophets and from the Psalms. Okay, and the, even Psalms, there's, there's many verses there which are writing about Jesus. Okay, and in Psalm 68, verse 18, it says, You have ascended on high, you have led captivity captive, you received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord might dwell there. This is, you know, I got stuck on this verse for a while as I was um, getting into it because there's just so much in it. Okay, it says, you have received gifts among men. Okay, now, if you go back to the, 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 the previous verse, it says um, that he gave gifts unto men. And the idea we get from that is that, you know, here's Father Christmas coming, Jesus, you know, with this bag of gifts, and he's giving out different gifts to everyone. But now if you look back to Psalm 68, verse 18, it says you've received gifts among men. Okay, the Hebrew literally uh, uh, says you have received gifts in men. And some translations, um, I can't remember which ones it is. I think the Passion puts it like that. Uh, also, uh, and, and, and maybe the New uh, or the Living Bible kind of give this idea in the uh, um um, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8 that number one the man is the gift to God okay so you have received gifts in the man okay but it also points towards the day that God by his spirit would live in the man the day of salvation and so this is showing us that that the, 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 about the, the promise fulfilled which is salvation the spirit of God living in a man so Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, wherefore he saith, he ascended on high and led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, there's many things that we can pull out of this, which I'm not pulling out, not for avoidance, but for time. Okay, once again, I'm focusing on something that can help us, not all the interesting stuff that goes with it. But the word gifts there, I found is, a, is in the Greek is a noun, which says, which means present or gift. Okay, so it doesn't mean, have to mean a, a plural, it can be singular. Okay, and three of the four times this word is used in the New Testament, it's referring to the gift of the Holy Spirit, not necessarily gifts 
of the Holy Spirit. But gift of the Holy Spirit would include gifts of the Spirit. So it's not too much of a diversion from what we've maybe all been taught. But within the gift of the Spirit are abilities or gifts of that one gift. Okay. So the reason I'm saying this is because we need to see that we've received the measure of Christ, the gift of Christ, and we've been given a gift. And that gift is himself, Christ himself, his spirit living in us. If you're a believer, you're full of God. Okay, the, you know, the, 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 in, in Ephesians chapter four, it's echoing this in Colossians. So I want to look at Colossians chapter two, verse nine to 10 from the New Living Translation first. It says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human form, a human body. So you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Okay, for some, somehow, most of Christianity has this, this verse, they love this verse, they quote this verse, they encourage people with this verse, but they, in, in a lot of the rest of teaching, they take this verse out and ignore it. Because this verse is saying, you are filled with the fullness of God, and it's saying that you're complete through your union with Christ. But a lot of Christianity, unfortunately, says you're complete through your union with Christ, but you still need to. And then you're complete. If you're not doing X, Y, and Z, then you're not really that complete. You're not perfect in Christ, as some translations would put it. So why, why am I saying that? It's because as a believer, you need to realize how, how complete, how perfect you are in Christ. You need to realize, you know, your, your maturity in Christ isn't about but you're um, doing something to get something more. Your maturing in Christ is about you realizing, awakening to a revelation of who lives inside of you and what that means for you now, now as a believer. That's why in chapter one of Ephesians four, Paul prays, and he's, he's not praying that the believers would get more power. He's not praying that they would have more of anything. He's not praying for revival. In fact, he is praying for revival, but not the way that most Christians are praying for revival today. He's praying for revival by saying, Father, may, may, you, may you get a, a revelation. Father, give them a revelation of what's inside of them. This is what we've all got to be seeking. As a Christian, you're seeking something. Okay. We, we, we would all want to say, no, I'm not seeking something. I'm seeking someone. Amen. That would be lovely. But I'm sure that to a degree, it's not correct in, in all of our lives. Okay. So we've got to ask ourselves, what are we seeking? Are we seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Are we seeking first? Like, what, what are we seeking? Because we're, we're all seeking something. Okay. Some Christians are seeking something so that they can be more powerful, so that they can be more fruitful, so that they can be more, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but we, we've got to make sure that we're, we're seeking God and we're seeking revelation, which leads to transformation, not just knowledge puffs up. Okay, look at the Passion version of this 
uh, verse. It says, for he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. So our completeness is because of our union as Christ and is found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom. You're complete because you're one with him. You're complete because uh, completely full of him. Even when you don't see completeness in your life. And this is really a major key to living in the, the, the living the victorious Christian life. Isn't it, it, it? We live the victorious Christian life, this abundant Christian life, by not focusing on what we feel, by not focusing on what we see, by not focusing on everything that's going around on around us, but by focusing in on the truth of what God says about us, and He says, "You're full of Me." <laughs> You know, so when someone, next time someone says to you, you're full of it, say, no, 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 I'm full of him. Yeah, maybe you're just not letting him out enough. You're letting something else out. But anyway, Ephesians chapter four. Now we want to get into seven uh, down to 16. And I want you to carry this completeness mindset with you into these next passages of scripture, uh, verses of scripture. Because often we, we read everything. Um, Dis, disjointed we don't read the bible at, like the book of ephesians as one letter we read it disjointed and so now when a lot of people get to ephesians 4 11 he gave some apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teacher they mess it up because they don't see their completeness and how that kind of builds on from that okay so now i'm gonna do my best to try and explain this uh, uh, to us but uh, let's just read here from verse 7. It says, but to each of us, each one of us, grace was given. To how many? Each one of us. That includes every single one of us who received Christ. Okay. Each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also one who ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Okay, now I'm not getting into the details of all of that. But it's interesting, but it's not the focus of what I'm trying to bring across. Verse 11 says, and he himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles. Now, let me pause there and say, when anything in scripture or the Bible is repeated, we must pay attention. Okay. So look at what, what words are being repeated here. And it's, I'll give you a clue. It's the word some. And so look, look at where it's mentioned. And then that helps you to kind of see something. And remember the outworking of what I'm talking about now is supposed to help you have a greater revelation of Jesus so that you can grow in maturity so that you can be a more fruitful believer. So that's the aim of what I'm talking about now. Okay. He gave some, Jesus gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Now, let me pause there and I'll get to it later, but let me just say that teachers doesn't have some 
apostles have some, prophets have some, there's some evangelists, and then it says, and some pastors and teachers. The word and there between pastors and teachers is linking the two. And in the Greek, it means moreover. So teachers is a further explanation of pastors. It's not listing another. It's listing, it's describing the one. Okay. And before I saw that in the Greek, I actually was believing it like that. <laughs> in that I stopped seeing that the, the, there's a special gift of teaching. And I saw that, you know, this is something which the pastor does and every uh, one of those gifts do. But it's something that, that, you know, the reason why I started seeing this was because a lot of people who would call themselves Bible teachers weren't prepared to shepherd people. They weren't prepared to walk with people and love on people. And, and I kind of saw that and I realized there's a bit of a problem here. I remember speaking to a friend of mine who's a, 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 a renowned teacher and they, they were not interested in connecting with people and they weren't interested in people asking questions. They just were like, I need to present my teaching and I'm just, that's my job is just to help present my teaching. But let me ask you this question. What is the purpose of teaching? If you've got a gift of teaching, if you believe you've got a gift of teaching, what is the purpose of that? I put it to you that your gift of teaching is not for you to teach. It's so that people will be taught and learn something and grow. I mean, that's obvious. But that is the purpose of that gift. And you can't effectively operate as a teacher without shepherding people. Because while you're teaching, you're actually shepherding them towards truth. So they definitely, and, and if you look throughout Acts especially, you see how uh, uh, they're often together. They're mentioned together. Anyway, let's carry on there. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So now Paul is describing the, 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 what the 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 what we call fivefold, and I'm going to debunk that in a moment. But what people call fivefold, if uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, the purpose of this, or let's just call it leadership in the body of Christ, the purpose of it is to equip the saints. That's every single one of you. Every single one of us is a saint in the body of Christ, and the purpose of leadership isn't just to lord over or something like that. The purpose is to serve people and equip people, saints, for the work of the ministry, for a purpose. Okay? And, and that's because every saint is called to ministry. Every saint is called to be part of God's rescue mission for the world. That includes every single one listening right now. Every single one of us is supposed to be part of helping to fulfill his dream through his mission. Okay. And this is what I was, I was getting at earlier. You know, for, for a long time, I had this view that church leadership was some, some special people who did the work of God. And I just came, my work was to listen to them and to give them money. And, and that's what I'm trying to undo now so that we can see greater fruitfulness in the body of Christ. Okay. So the, the purpose of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity 
be of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. What does it mean to no longer be a child? It means that you're mature. Okay, it says perfect man measure of the stature of fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children. That's talking about maturity. This is showing us that leadership in the body of Christ's purpose is to help mature believers. Okay, so that's that's the aim. Okay, what is God calling you to as a believer? That was the question I started off with. What is the answer? Maturity. We're going to look at what maturity looks at like it looks like now. Okay, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. That, that means that you know something. It means that you, you you're established in truth, so that you're not just blown around by all these amazing things that go around by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking truth in love may grow up in all things unto Him who is the head, uh, Christ, from whom the whole body joint and knit together by uh, what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of love of itself in love so what is god's will for every believer okay there's a couple things in this verse in this passage that we can pull out but there's one key thing and that's maturity god's will for you is maturity Okay, God's will for you is maturity. Yes, I know. Okay, I can hear people already. Some some people that I, I would be having a conversation with, and if I was to say that, I can hear their response immediately. No, God's will is for me to know His love. Yes, Amen. God's will is for you to know and experience His love. But what is the result of that? It's maturity. The more you know and experience His love, the more you're going to mature. Okay, what is the goal of uh, uh, my goal with my children right now? Yes, I want to love them, but to a purpose. I want them to experience my love and I want that, like, I want to see that transform them. And even if it doesn't, I'll still love them. But the, the, there's a goal and that goal is, is, is expressing something. Okay, so let me ask you this. What does maturity look like? If we, if we read Ephesians 4, uh, uh, 11 down to 13. If you, what does maturity look like? I'll put it to you as this. The answer isn't there in black and white or blue and white this evening. The, the, the answer is Jesus. That's what maturity looks like. Okay. The, Jesus is the definition of Christian maturity. Okay, God desires for us to live like Jesus because we are like Jesus. Okay, 1 John 4 verse 17. This should be like etched on all of our hearts. It says, as he is, so are you in this world. So in this world right now, you are as he is. Okay, you are just like Jesus right now, but you need to mature in that, in your expression of that, because it might not be, uh, 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 it's not automatic. Okay, <clears throat> both my boys, they're, they're six and eight years old. Okay, and I think they're listening in right now. <laughs> both of them were born human, but they needed to mature in that. 
Amen. They didn't come out of the womb speaking English and Afrikaans and, and uh, being able to, 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 to add value to the house by picking up things and washing dishes and all of this. They had to actually learn those things and grow in those things. Okay. They had to learn in talking and communicating, etc. It's the same thing with us. Inside, we are 100% like Jesus, but we, the more we realize our Christ-likeness, the more we can express that. So you're not trying to become something you're not. You're discovering who you are and learning to express it. Okay, so maturity. Let's look at what maturity looks like. Maturity looks like going into all the world and sharing the gospel. I mean, that's what Jesus did, didn't he? Okay, and that's what he commissioned us to. But to do it, obviously, with, with, uh, with signs and wonders and miracles following. Okay, maturity looks like lo loving people. I think we'd all agree with that one. Amen. Maturity looks like, but, but you know, you get, you know, people have different definitions for love. The biblical definition for love in this situation is agape, which is self-sacrificial love, loving like Jesus. Okay, so loving people with agape love, especially the household or family of God. Yes, we to love everyone, but it's to love especially the household of God. Lots of people have a wrong mentality of this. They think that, you know, uh, the church is called to um humanitarian uh, uh, aid and you know kind of just like in in a crisis just dishing out food and that's good but that's not our primary objective our primary is the gospel is eternity that's what we're called to we love the saints by giving by meeting their tangible needs we love the world by giving them what they really need the gospel okay then maturity looks like preaching the good news, evangelizing, healing the brokenhearted, proclaiming freedom to the captives. Maturity looks like healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, and casting out demons. I mean, by this definition, we've all got room to grow in and mature, which is exciting. That means we're on a journey somewhere. Maturity looks like Jesus. Okay, now let me tell you, and this, you're gonna, you're gonna I, I trust you. You might struggle with this one, but I know it'll bless you if you can hear what I'm trying to say. Okay, what maturity doesn't look like. Are you ready for it? Maturity doesn't look like someone who is great at shepherding people, but is horrible in sharing the gospel with unbelievers. Now you're going to have to think a little bit. Maturity doesn't look like someone that can teach the word and unlock revelation for people but not loving and shepherding people or ministering healing to them. That's maybe an element of maturity, but it's actually just a deficiency as well. Maturity doesn't look like someone who can prophesy with great accuracy, but doesn't know how to share the gospel with an unbeliever. Maturity doesn't look like a believer who's a specialist in one of the expressions of Christ. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, but not in the others, or at least isn't growing in the others. And, you know, this is challenging for myself even, because you know, there's a, a mindset that's been established in the body of Christ that if I'm called to be an evangelist, 
evangelist, I don't have to worry about prophecy. And if I'm called to prophecy, I don't have to worry about pastoring. And so on and so forth. But you know what really struck me uh, uh, with this is uh, years back, I had this thought, God's thoughts, I really believe that what is the purpose of a pastor? Okay, you see the, the office of a pastor is also an elder. Uh, uh, it's an overseer. It's a, a teacher. And, and so those terms are used interchangeably in the, the, the Bible. But what is the purpose of a pastor? Automatically, we would want to say to pastor people. Yes and no. <laughs> okay, why I say no is because the pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yes, there's an element of shepherding. And I mean, the Grace Life Leadership, we do our best to shepherd people and help them and, and minister to them and all this. But if that's all we did, we would be incomplete and we would be doing you a disservice. Our purpose is to shepherd people or equip them to shepherd. So the purpose of a, a, a shepherd, a pastor, is to equip you to shepherd. Because God's will isn't that one person or, or two people or a, a small group of people would have to shepherd a, 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 a group of 100 or 200 even people or whatever the case is. God's will is that you would have a, a group of 200 people and all the older people, the more, more mature people would be shepherding and caring for the people who are newer in the faith. And that together we would be a body not just an organization or a corporation where you've got some one person at the top and a whole bunch of people following under, but God's desire is family. Okay. He, he, God, God wants to meet with us around the dinner table, not the boardroom table. He, he wants to fellowship with us like a father fellowships with his children, not like a CEO fellowships with his staff. Fellowship is the wrong word to use there. <laughs> But you get what I mean. Okay, so maturity looks like Jesus. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect in every expression of Jesus, but we should be growing in it. And the more we realize that we are complete in him, the more we realize uh, uh, um, uh, how complete we are and how perfect we are in him and how much of him we have in us, then what's going to happen is we can start to express it. But the mentality that I've only got a little bit of Jesus or a part of Jesus in me gives birth to uh, a limited expression of Christian faith. And so as long as you believe that you're lacking something that Christ has, you're never going to live like Jesus. As long as you are waiting for some special anointing to be able to do X, Y, and said that you're not doing now even if you feel like you get that anointing you're going to feel like you're lacking something in another area this is the problem with this mentality we got to stop looking to ourselves as uh, uh, you know the clergy and the laity or the the leaders in the body of christ and the the the, the members and there is leadership in the body there's a mom there's a dad there's all elders that's what maturity looks like in the body of Christ. It's not people with gray hair necessarily. I've got just a few. Etienne's got more than me, actually. <laughs> it's, but gray hair doesn't equal maturity. Years don't equal maturity. 
Maturity is the result of um, uh, 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 understanding who you are in Christ and starting to live it out. Fruitfulness. Maturity is in fruitfulness. And there's a lot, sadly, a lot of gray-headed people who have no maturity, no fruitfulness. Okay. So the reason why this is so important is because we have a mission to fulfill. And it's God's vision to reach the world. And God wants you, every single one of us, to be a part of that vision, that dream that he's got. Okay. We, we seriously all have a part to play. No one is called to be a chair warmer, a pew warmer. No one's called just to put money in the offering bucket, but we love it when you do because it helps the rest of us keep it going. Amen. <laughs> We're all called to partake in giving. We're all called to partake in the body of Christ, not just on a Sunday by serving tea and greeting people at the door, but we're, we're also called wherever we are in our communities, in our workplaces, in whatever, to be the evangelist where we are, to be the shepherd wherever we are, to be the prophet wherever we are to be the apostle wherever we are, to reach the people where we are. And, you know, these things, these gifts, abilities of the spirit, expressions of the spirit start to grow in us as we start to use them, not on a Sunday, but every day of the week. Remember, I said this last week, Reynard Bonnke said this. So I'm quoting him. He said, the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, are not badges of honor to be worn on a Sunday. They are tools to get the job done. And so, yes, it's exciting to talk about prophecy and all these different uh, gifts of the Spirit, but we've got to realize that they're, they're not gifts for you. They're gifts for you to use to bless other people. And God would be unjust if he took you, put you, in an environment where someone needed a word of encouragement and you said to them, I'm sorry, that's not my spiritual gift. Let me phone brother so-and-so who's got the gift of encouragement. Or some, all of a sudden someone's sick or there's a tragedy and they need a miracle and you're like, I'm sorry, I don't have the gift of miracles. Let me phone up super duper so-and-so who, who's got this amazing gift of healing or miracles. Or whatever the case is, you see, like then what you're saying, if you have that mentality, and this is the mentality that the body of Christ has quite a lot, it's, it's, it's quite prevalent. If we've got that mentality, then what we're saying is, I am not complete in Christ. But you are complete in Christ. You're just not expressing that completeness. Just. Just like you're 100% human, but many of you don't act like it <laughs> all the time. I don't sometimes too. But the point is, it's like we don't all grow, act like grown-ups. Sometimes we act like children. Obviously the wrong crowd. The, everyone here acts proper all the time. Amen. So let me, let me just share a few things about this fivefold terminology. We're never going to finish this. But anyway... When you, whenever you come across terminology like fivefold, and if you go and do a, a strong search for it or a Bible concordance search for it, and you can't find it in the Bible, you need to go and find out why. And it's interesting to note that although we've got this terminology fivefold ministry, I called it for a long time fourfold ministry because pastor and teacher are together. So you know, there's different approaches to it, but 
fivefold or fourfold is nowhere to be found in the Bible. So you've got to figure out where did it come from, okay? Because otherwise, we're just accepting a tradition. And like Jesus said, the traditions of men make the word of God of none effect. Okay, when we look at Paul's teaching on the gifts, and if I had time, I would get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and even Romans, I think it is chapter 12, and, and we would look at all the different gifts. Maybe we should do this another week, and, uh, and we would compare, and we would see what's going on, because all his lists differ, okay? But you know, Paul never meant, and he never labeled anything four or fivefold. Okay, this terminology comes from somewhere else, and it's actually in recent history. So in my research, the earliest known mention of fivefold ministry is in 1824, which is really recent. Okay, when uh, a Presbyterian pastor in Scotland named Edward Irving began teaching that the fivefold ministry of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers had disappeared from the church and needed to be restored. Okay, so he, he uh, taught that once these ministries were restored, it would usher in the millennial kingdom of Christ on the earth, the end of time. And uh, he and his followers then started in 1832, the Catholic Apostolic Church, which has got nothing to do with uh, uh, the Catholics. It just means universal. So the universal apostolic church and their chief purpose was to restore fivefold ministry and usher in the millennial kingdom. So what they did was they appointed 12 apostles and they prophesied that these 12 apostles would be the last apostles on earth before Christ returned. And then you know what happened in the early 1800s or actually the last apostle died in 1901. So did the church because Jesus didn't come back. So the church in, the, in, in England then stopped, ceased to exist, but it continued in Germany. They just renamed it. That's clever brand rebrand, you know, because uh, we've missed the mark. And so they rebranded it as the new apostolic church which is quite uh, large even in, in, in the Western Cape area. And somewhere along the line in history, charismatics, Pentecostals, and very eager uh, uh, people with regards to gifts borrowed the terminology, uh, and it took root in our culture, I believe, and in tradition within um, spirit-filled Christianity. Okay, now because of the traditions of men, I believe we're missing what the Spirit of God is trying to convey to us through Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Okay, and I know that this will be met with a lot of resistance because there's a lot, it's a deeply entrenched tradition, but also there's a lot of ego around the tradition, especially in Africa, but all over the world, really, because many people find their identity in the, uh, the fivefold titles. And if you've been in Grace Life for any period of time, you'll realize like that's not our culture. It's never been our culture. Pastor is a function, not a title. And, you know, anybody who, who kind of calls themselves apostle so-and-so or prophet so-and-so or whatever, like, um, you know, it's a, they may have a valid gift, but often, not always, but often with that, there's a bit of ego attached to it. Okay. Because their identity is not in Christ. And correction is never pleasant at the time. Amen. But anyway, at the core of this tradition is the teaching that God has selected you. He's handpicked you to be the apostle, to be the evangelist, to be this, to be that. 
And he's putting his spirit on you to just do this one thing. But we've all got the measure of Christ, the fullness of the spirit. And so I believe that we can all reach this place of elder where we can express maybe at different times in our lives, we would express maybe apostolic or prophetic or whatever, but we, would, we, would, we should be growing in all of that if we're truly growing in Christ. Okay, so what is Paul talking about in Ephesians chapter 4, 11? The very first thing uh, to do is to, to, to read the context, which we've been doing. We've read, we've, we've come all the way from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, where he's talking about who we are on Christ and the fullness of Christ that we have and all of this type of stuff. And, and what we see here is in understanding Ephesians 4, 11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. You know, we've got to see firstly, who is this verse describing? And the answer is Jesus. Then we've got to see that all these functions are expressions of Jesus. And I'm going to show you in a minute, um, a couple of minutes, uh, 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 how Jesus was all of this. Okay. And if you just think about it, if you know the gospels, Jesus was all of this. Okay. And we've got to see that the purpose of the fivefold or fourfold is to uh, uh, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So there's a purpose in it. You know, there's a big shot prophet in Africa um, who really grates me the wrong way. And I, I should like let it go. But I know the guy personally. We, we, we've interacted a couple of times uh, through my, my, my pastor friend in um, Zimbabwe and um you know, this guy, we sat with him, we asked him, what is the purpose of a prophet? And you know what his answer was? And he's got thousands, if not millions of people following, him, you know, hundred, probably more hundreds of thousands of people. And he said to prophesy. And I mean, his, his, his idea of a prophet is that's the man of God who leads the way and, and he's the, everyone's bowing down to him literally. And, and it's just like messed up. And, you know, we, we asked him to read Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And then we asked him, what does this mean? What is the, your, your purpose as a prophet? And he said, to prophesy. <laughs> we said, but what does this verse say? And it was like there was a blinder over him. He couldn't answer the question. And then uh, my friend Isaac said to him, the purpose of it is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And it was like he didn't understand what we were talking about. Because there's this hierarchy mentality of everyone serves the gifted man or woman of God. Whereas, yes, we're all gifted. Some people are growing in their giftedness. Some people are expressing it stronger. And those people should be using their gift to equip the rest of us to be able to uh, 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 be effective in the body of Christ. But he couldn't see that. So sadly, your fivefold mentalities mobilized a few people to active ministry while relegating saints to the function of listening to teaching. And we should listen to teaching. We, that's the starting point. But that's not all. That's not the whole point of your existence in church. Amen. You're not supposed to just be listening and getting another good teaching. There's much more to church life than that. Okay. Your, 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 your purpose is more than just giving into the offering. Your purpose is more than just ushering and serving tea. We love all of those things and they all help, but there's a world to win. All saints are supposed to be expressing all of Christ through a life of active ministry. That's what God has called us all to. 
And nobody's perfect. We're all growing in these things. We're perfect in our spirit, but in our expression, we're, we're getting there. But that's why we need each other. Is because those that are mature or maturing in these things help the rest of us to mature in these things too. For example, I'm not the world's best evangelist. But I'm growing in that and I'm learning from others who are gifted in that and stronger in that so that I can express that more. But given the opportunity, I'm going to evangelize the hell out of someone literally. <laughs> Amen. See, we've got to have this mentality, not of, oh, goodness, I'm not an evangelist. I'm called to uh, uh, just give into the offering. I need to phone the evangelist and ask them to come and minister to these people. You, for God so loved the people you're going to meet in this life that he sent you. He didn't send the firefold for them. He sent you. He sent the firefold, so-called, to equip you to be able to reach those people. So let's consider what office is not mentioned here. I mean, we, we're not even going to get into that. But the big, biggest office that's not mentioned in apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is elder. And elder is the kind of pillar within the local church. If you read throughout Acts and even the letters. Okay. We don't see elders here because all these ministry gifts are functions of elders in the local church. Okay? So, now concluding on that, Ephesians 4.11, ministry gifts are explaining the function or work of elders in the church, but not the elder isn't supposed to be apostling and uh, evangelizing and uh, prophesying. And yes, they do those things, but the elder is there to equip you to do those things. That's why as a ministry, we don't just have Sunday uh, uh, worship gatherings where we have a teaching and we take your money and we go on. But we have ministry school, for example. And uh, if, you, if you've been with us for a while, you'll know now that our ministry, Ministry school is 100% free for Grace Life members. Why? Because as pastors, elders, our job is to equip you. <laughs> and I remember, like I think it was last year or, or the year before, when we were, we were planning and preparing for the next year of ministry school, I just said to the leaders, I can't with a clear conscience charge people for ministry school because it's our job to equip them. And so they're giving into the offering. They're generous towards the church. The church should be generous towards them, the leaders, in equipping them. So let's equip them. Okay. So yes, you know, someone will be more naturally gifted or stronger in one of the, the expressions or gifts than another. It also happens through maturity. So for example, I've maybe got more experience and I'm stronger in apostolic giftings. Um, than, than maybe Etienne or some of the others, but everyone can express that and grow in it, okay? Like I said, I'm growing in the evangelism as well, okay? But we mustn't confuse apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher as titles because they are, are expressions. They are functions, okay? Acts chapter 14, verse 23 says, but when they had ordained them elders in every church 
and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And why I'm pointing this out is that they had ordained elders in the church. They didn't ordain anyone else. They ordained elders. Then Acts 20, 28, Paul's speaking at like the first minister's conference, you could say. And he says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Now, the word overseer there is the same word for elder, is the same word for pastor or shepherd. The elder is the pastor. He is the bishop. He is the overseer. Okay. The interesting thing here is that both Jewish and Roman understanding of overseer are brought together in elder or pastor or, or whatever to explain church leadership and what they do. Okay, and like I said to you last week, anything we see in the New Testament is is really a fulfillment or carried over from the 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 Old Testament scriptures. So they, they, it's all got a root somewhere. Now look at this. Moses started the eldership structure, and so the church isn't coming up with a new uh, uh, um structure of leadership the church is continuing with god's idea of family the more mature lead the less mature and the immature <laughs> okay so Mo moses started the eldership structure jesus continued with it and the apostles stayed with it okay 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4 says, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Okay. So now he's talking about the chief shepherd, Jesus. This is who he was. Okay. And, and uh, uh, Paul is explaining now the functions of an elder in these next two, on the, in these verses that I'm going to get to, uh, of an elder whose qualifications are. Okay, Our, the qualifications of an elder are, next verse, 1 Peter 5, 2 to 3, to feed the, church, the flock of God which is among you. Why are we feeding? So that there's growth, so that there's maturity. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not a filthy lucre, which means not because you want to make money off of the people. This is so sad that nowadays in the body of Christ, you've got uh, ministers who are just trying to fleece people. Just trying to get money out of people. You know, I've had people tell me that you know their strength is to take offerings. <laughs> but I've never heard those same people say their strength in ministry is to evangelize or lead some. I remember asking one of those one of those guys who said that to me, would he please do an alt like do an altar call? He said he can't. He does, he's not, he's not an evangelist. If you want to just give some words of knowledge and pray for the sick, you're welcome. No, I don't do that. <laughs> but I can do the offering for you. I mean, that's shocking. Verse 3 there is interesting. It says, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples and samples to the flock. Next verse, 1 Timothy 3.2. A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Now he's saying that they are a bishop. This is the same word for elder or for pastor. Okay, the point is, is that ministry gifts or offices are the result of maturity. Okay, just because someone's gifted doesn't mean they mature, but leadership would then help like a good mom or a good dad help that individual grow in that gifting and in character to express that gifting. You know, you could say that um, character and gifting, you know, character sustains gifting. 
if, if it's like wings on a bird, <laughs> you've got um, character and you've got gifting as two different wings. You, you need both to be able to fly hell in a healthy way. But a lot of people kind of just go off on gifting and, you know, you're not going to make it. Character sustains the gifting. And a lot of people may have the character, but they haven't developed the gifting yet. And the, the same is true in that regard. Okay, so an elder isn't someone who's old, as I said, it's just someone who's got fruitfulness. And maybe not in every area, but they're growing. Okay, so that they can help equip or mature the saints to live like Jesus lived. Now, here's an interesting thought, because we live in a culture where people want to um, be self-made men and women. They want to kind of get by without a little help from their friends. They kind of want to, you know, kind of just uh, get on by themselves and listen to the teacher online who can't speak into their life, but just, uh, or even tell them that they're, they're not experiencing the teaching correctly. They just want to kind of be their own pastor. Um, you can't pastor yourself. <laughs> you know, you got to be pastored. You got to be led. And throughout Acts, especially, and in the letters, we see that there is a function in the body of Christ called elder, that if we want to mature, we need to be submitted to that. We need to receive from those uh, uh, men and women who are, are, are showing forth fruit and then able to help us to grow and show forth fruit. You cannot mature without being submitted to elders within a healthy local church. Okay. And submission isn't a cuss word. <laughs> submission is just, be, it's, it's like the way that we would relate to a, a father or mother in a healthy way. So very quickly, I want to finish off by saying, showing how Jesus is described in scripture. Okay. So Jesus is described as an apostle. Hebrews chapter three, verse one. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So he is the apostle. So this is apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are expressions of Christ. He's also described as a prophet in scripture. John chapter four, verse 19, the woman at the well says, I perceive that you are a prophet. Okay. Now Jesus doesn't counter that thought when she says that to him. Okay. Mark chapter six, verse four, Jesus speaking about himself saying a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and among his own relevant, uh, 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 relatives and in his own house so he's saying that you know there's no pro honor for a prophet in their hometown usually but 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 he's referring to himself there and his situation calling himself a prophet jesus is also really seen as an evangelist in scripture john chapter three sixteen. for god so loved the world that he gave that word gave or sent is really a way of of, of like an evangelist is sent for a purpose, and that is uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus was sent with the message of the good news and to preach this message, just like you and I. Amen. Jesus was also a pastor and a teacher. Now, firstly, his followers throughout the gospels called him rabbi, which means teacher. But then in Luke, no, we're not Luke. 1 Peter 5 verse 4. We looked at it. It says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that doesn't fade away. The chief shepherd is Jesus. Chief shepherd referring to a pastor. Okay. We can see the same thing about his disciples. You know, Luke chapter 6 verse 13. 
It says that he named them apostles. Okay. And then he, he, he calls them prophets, even in uh, Matthew 10, verse 40 to 41. Okay. He says that he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he's talking about them and their ministry and the way people would relate to them. Okay. Then uh, uh, he refers to them as shepherds and pastors in Matthew chapter 9, where it's, uh, he says to them that the sheep, he sees the multitudes and he says they have no shepherd. And he's, he's talking to them and about the, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The shepherds are few. And he's telling them to go in, okay, and shepherd, be laborers. Then he refers to them as evangelists when he calls them and says, go into all the world and preach the good news, the gospel. And then he refers to them as teachers when he says, go into all the world and teach all nations or disciple the nations, teaching them to observe. So in conclusion, when we look at Ephesians chapter 4, we've got to see that Paul is not bringing about something new. He's teaching how Christ expresses himself through the body of Christ. Okay, these gifts are not many persons in the body of Christ. Thanks, Eto, you can take the screen off now. The, the, these, these gifts are not many persons, but they are expressed that, that it's, 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 it's many expressions of Christ through the believers. Okay. So, you know, an interesting thought, whatever is uh, uh, not found in that same body, the same spirit cannot be called ministry. So ministry is only really whatever is expressed through apostle, prophet, evangelist, or pastor and teacher. Okay, you do the math and figure out uh, the implications of that. But for example, you can't add, what I'm saying is you can't add your talents to ministry and say it's ministry. Because ministry is Christ expressing himself through you to, to be able to accomplish his will. Okay. It's always what Christ does through us. <clears throat> but now we need to see the elders, the church leaders are here to equip you for ministry. That's, that's kind of me wrapping this up and, 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 and wanting to share my heart with you. Is we are here to equip you and help you mature and then not keep you as healthy pew warmers, but release you into works of ministry so that we together can change the world for Jesus. Okay. You might never stand at the pulpit, but we want to help your life to be a pulpit. Okay. Doesn't mean you're going to work necessarily in full-time ministry uh, uh, like we are or like I am, but it means that you, that wherever you go, you're going to be an ambassador, an effective ambassador for Christ every day. Okay. You might not feel like you have anything to give right now. I can't prophesy to save my life or you know, I can't evangelize to save someone else's. You, you might feel like, hey, I can't even string two sentences, sentences together, like me in that moment, to be able to, to help someone. But hey, hang around, stick around, keep receiving, keep allowing yourself to mature Keep receiving from us. Keep allowing us to sharpen you and help you grow so that you can grow in this area and beautifully reflect the fullness of Christ that's in you. We all have a part to play. Okay. God didn't call you to just support other people in ministry. He called you to ministry. 
okay? The part that you play depends on how much you're going to mature, how much you're going to allow him to mature you through the local church, through leadership, through you receiving and submitting yourself to receive more and receive more. Now, I really believe that this word is a word in season for many of you, if not all of you. You know, like um, <laughs> when, when I first started sharing this thought with uh, some of the Grace Life leaders, I said, you know, like the, the one awesome thing with this is like it's, 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 um, it levels the playing field. In that, you know, I'm not the super duper apostle, even though I might be operating in that gift. It's not, it's not, I'm not an apostle. I'm an elder in the church whose job is to help you mature to be on that same platform or that same level where, where you're now mature and you're expressing fruitfulness so that the body of Christ can multiply. Let me ask you this question. Which child, natural child in the world, does God not want to grow into a full, mature, self-sustaining adult? Every single natural child in this world, God's desire for them is that they would grow up to be able to even help other children grow up. It's the same thing in the, the family of God. We're all here to grow up so that we're not children tossed to and fro and so that we can all shepherd each other, all evangelize the world together, all prophesy, encourage one another, all, uh, 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 all the other things. <laughs> Amen. So I, I just want to, as a, as, a, as a way of responding to this, just encourage you just to open up your hearts as I pray for you. Because I believe that this is a, a, a turning point for many of you where you feel like, hey, I've been sitting on the sidelines as a cheerleader. And, and now this is the call for you to step up, to, to, to step into more of what God's got for you. It, you know, it doesn't mean that you can go and pastor people and, and prophesy and evangelize today or even tomorrow. It means that now you, you've got a green light to go in these directions to be able to mature in these areas to be able to be a better expression of Christ where you are. Amen. So, Father, I just, I just want to pray for every single person right now that's listening to this, that you would just stir up within them a vision bigger than themselves, a vision bigger than what they've had up until now, a vision of how they can be part of changing the world for you, Father. I just pray right now that by your spirit, you would reveal truth to them, show them how they have you living inside of them and how they can show them the next step that they can take in this journey. I feel like God's encouraging you that it's not going to be, you know, uh, you jumping from north to 120 kilometers an hour. Yeah, you you got to you got to increase in this organically. God's heart is organically. Yes, you've got the fullness of Christ in you, but your brain's not going to be able to comprehend that all at once. Just whatever He puts on your heart, God's going to show you some way that you can grow in this, even in the next week, to start stepping out into something. For many, it might just be spend more time receiving his love. That's probably something for all of us. Spend more time just focusing in on his love. Spend more time praying in the spirit. Spend more time just, just, just digging into the word and renewing that mind. Focusing on your identity in Christ. 
Spend more time receiving from, 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 from good leadership and allowing them to, to speak into your life and to, 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 to kind of help you, you know, grow in these areas. But then there's another area which God might highlight to you that you can step out in, and that is actually just stepping out. Some of you are sitting on your blessed assurance doing nothing, and yet you're full of much more than, than a, a lot of people have. If you've been to two or three Bible schools, but you've never done anything, then I'm speaking to you. You've got more than enough. You know, the, the, the early disciples, early believers had much less information than we had and have, and they've, they changed the world. We have more information and access to more information than the early church did. And yet there's a huge divide between their fruitfulness and our fruitfulness often. Father, I just pray right now for a stirring up within each one of us, a deeper desire and hunger to, to grow in relationship with you, to grow in stepping out and in being a blessing and maturing in fruitfulness. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I, I really sense in my heart there's a, a shifting for some of you. And I didn't expect this when, I, when I, I, I prepared. But I really feel like there's a shifting for many of where God is wanting you to, 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 like, through this, it's like something's broken off of your mind. You're seeing it differently. And he's giving you an invitation to step forward into more. And I don't know what that means. It, it could be it look like something different for, for every single person. But if you need help processing that, and if you want us to, to walk with you or minister to you through that or whatever the case is, you know, please just contact myself or Etienne. We're not here to control anyone. So, you know, whenever someone comes with big life decisions or, or, or things like this, we're always guiding you in hearing God's voice for yourself. You are his sheep. You hear his voice. We're just like, we're, we're not God's voice to you. We're kind of just like coaches helping you hear his voice for you. Amen. Amen. Etienne, do you have anything else on your side there? I just got the, um, as you were praying, Shano, um, at the picture of uh, just a, a sword cutting away. And um, the obviously the, the word often is also just in Hebrews talking about the, the, the word of God. And what mm. we receive tonight in, in this in the setting, the teaching, um, I believe it's cutting away like a and a lot of the stuff that we've been getting into, it's it's cutting away and um, the things that have been distracting or maybe taking away from our fruitfulness. And so um if you're allowing it, then uh you can experience fruitfulness as you just kind of uh, embrace it. So thank you. Amen. It's in I know that. You, you got Chris in the background there, but I don't mind. Uh, would you also just close off in prayer yeah. for us and then uh, you, you can dismiss sure. everyone? Perfect. Yeah, thank you, Father, just for uh, an awesome word that you received, nourishment, Father, and uh, just encouragement and uh, even a, a challenge for some, maybe. Uh, thank you, Father, that as we embrace the challenge, as we just uh, allow you to just uh, stir us, Father, we can uh, experience and, and be expecting for so much fruit from us, Dad, not just for our lives, for, but, Father, the fruit that we're going to bear is going to be a, a fruit that other people are going to enjoy. 
I thank you, Jesus, for that. I thank you, Father, just for an expectancy that is being raised from every person that is part of this meeting, Father. Every believer can know that they are a valuable part of your kingdom building, Father, of your, your family business. And I thank you, Jesus, for that invitation that we can, um, with gladness and with so much excitement, RSVP yes to I want in on this. And I thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen. And Holy Spirit, that you're stirring a flame in each person's heart to not uh, not let this um, the, this excitement go away, Father, but that there would be a response to this, mm. not just uh, tomorrow, Father, but even tonight, and mm. a reaching out in response to this actively, purposefully, in Jesus' name. And we're going to see your kingdom be established here on earth. Thank you, Father, for that. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.